coming for you guys today we're gonna dive all the way into web3 i'm joined back with mark but we're in different sides of the globe what time is it for you mark it is now 7 a.m in the sunny dark morning in you london woke up just to speak to me i did mate look at that i'm sitting here well mate you're PM. you're famous sunny summer you're, you're famous you're glamorous what can i do I have to fit in when oh, I get stop. a chance. No, I got to fit into your schedule, Mark. Yeah. You're the one rolling around. Where's Mark this week? London? Where's Where's he going to be next week? Yeah, it's not that fun getting on a plane. <laughs> Mark, come on now. Okay, let's get straight. Fun let's get doing straight the stuff you do. If I could get on a plane to do a sandwich or some nice random gift, that's the way to do it. Sitting there and doing the stuff I have to do, nowhere near as much fun, Tom. Mark, you're always invited. Thank you. Look, I am honestly super excited personally to talk about what we're going to talk about in this episode and also for the audience because when I think of Web3, it's a bit confusing in my head. I think of a lot of different things. Does Web3, like, is it even available for retail? Like, these are all the questions in my head that I'm hoping we can talk through in this episode. Well, I look forward to it too. All right. I'm guess, I guess we'll start just from the top and very, in a very simple kind of way, what, how would you describe Web3? It's a whole lot of people who are trying to go back to the original idea of the internet where you got to own your own content and control who you spoke to and who spoke to you. That's at the highest of the high level. The Web3 people hate the centralization, hate TikTok, Insta, all of these centralizing forces and said, we want to go back to the original idea of each person has their own website, each person has their own network, each person controls their own stuff rather than what we have now, which is if you're in your business, you're trying to feed the algorithm. And if you're in my world, you're basically having your brain taken hostage by the algorithm. Yeah. So to describe it to the audience, web one is pretty much just the internet, the developed, like yep. the creation of the internet. Web and it had a whole lot of dreamers who had views about it being democratized process, it, it providing freedom and things like that. Yeah. But as you remember, maybe you don't because you probably weren't alive, but at that stage, it had just the worst UX, right? Yeah. So it was clunky. It was really hard to do things. You couldn't scan files. You couldn't search. You couldn't do anything. It was really, the idea was great. The execution was absolutely terrible. And then Yahoo came along and then Google came along and then Facebook yeah. came along and you, the user experience was fantastic. You got on Netscape and you got really, really excited. But the problem was the people who got you excited took your brain hostage. Yeah. Well, financially, I wish I could go back 
and be alive for that era was a lot of good gains from what I from what I've seen on the charts. Yep. But so web one was the internet, then web two was kind of the creation of like social medias and those kinds yep. of platforms. And now web three, from my perspective, what I've looked it up and I've seen it's more about peer to peer kind of decentralized that we can like send each other money. No one controls the money. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but this is just in my that's, head. That's how it's right. Yeah. And then the confusing part, which is going to be interesting to see if the mainstream and everyone kind of adapts to what web three is how it's going to kind of be used. Like how do these ideas that they have about web three actually come to life, which I'm super intrigued sure. about. But also what I urge people to do is recognize that you've got to decide what you're upset about in Web 2 yeah. before you can feel solidly on your feet about Web 3. You know, getting scammed by terrible crypto whatevers, yeah, that's a terrible place to be. And personally, <laughs> I think the promise of Bitcoin is wildly overrated as well. So what I try and bring people back to is some sort of recognition about how horrible the state of Web 2 is. That if you talk to authors like Jonathan Haidt about the increase in mental health um, problems as a consequence of what's going on at the moment, the analogy that I try and use is if you go and ever watch Mad Men, do you remember that 60s TV show? I, and I remember everyone's, it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's smoking 40 or 60 cigarettes a day, right? It's just, yeah. it's about the 60s. It was 10 years ago. Everybody in the 1950s and 60s smoked 40 or 60 cigarettes a day. And they're smoking in the office and they're all smoking. And you look at something like that and you say, everyone knew that mm -hmm. cigarettes were bad for you and that here's everybody smoking. And what I say to people is go into a restaurant and look at how many people are looking at their phones. We know that that's a terrible thing for people. We know it hurts mental health. It hurts the social infrastructure as a society. It causes people to go extremes rather than find some way to work together. So why I'm focused on Web3, people say, why did you come back from retirement? It isn't because I think Web3 is necessarily magic. I just think the world, what we're doing to ourselves, letting these seven companies control our brains is such a terrible, terrible thing for society. We've got to come and do something else. That's why I'm trying to be in Web3. Now, I have a friend of mine who has exactly the same view about Web2 um, called Rebecca Giblin. She's an um, academic in the law faculty at Melbourne University. And she hates Web2 every bit as much as I do. But she has a completely different solution. She says, we've got to find some way for, you know, a world government to put some regulation in place to make Web2 work better than it's doing. And all of the Web3 promises are rubbish. So that's, I know that sounds like a strange place to start this, but it depends on how much you care about and worry about where we are at the moment, how serious you are about actually thinking about trying to make Web3 work. It's, it is interesting because I feel like 
these big companies and governments are going to do the same with Web3 as they're treating crypto. They're super against it. It makes them lose money in the long term. You know what I mean? Like, yep. So do you think there's going to be I, a I lot of pushback from governments and these big corporations like Facebook and stuff to actually start doing this? So I know this is tangential for your listeners, but really, really important. There was a decision handed down by a jury in California last week um, where Fortnite, which is no small company on its own, took on Google and said, you are behaving anti-competitively when you don't let us get our viewers and the people who want to play our game. You don't let them actually buy Fortnite directly from us. You force anybody who's got a Google phone to buy it on um, the Google store, whatever the app store is. Yeah. And the jury the, the jury said, uh-uh, that's completely anti-competitive, that's monopolistic, we're not going to let you do it. Now, there have been five or six antitrust cases in America and Europe trying to achieve the same thing and saying that Google's control and Apple's control of the app stores is a, is a monopoly and is anti-competitive. But I have a lot of faith in individuals far more than governments. And the 12 people on the jury in California said, this is really, really bad. We're not going to let you do it. And so it's begun the, the you know, dismantling of Web 2 and some sort of mechanism to allow you and your followers to have more freedom and not get captured. It's beginning. Now, a whole lot of people would legitimately say, well, Mark, that's Web 2 and normal society finding a way to deal with these problems rather than having to deal with, you know, apes and pixels and all the rubbish that you deal with. But it's far more about a concern for people of your generation than it is necessarily that it has to be crypto. And this is a really good example of a judgment by a whole lot of you know, normal people to say what's going on at the moment is terrible and we want to stop it. Yeah, well, it's fa- it is, it's hard because if Web3 is going to be successful and make this breakthrough, it is going to come through my generation and the generation coming through now to really like get behind it because I'm not trying to label like older people in like a kind of group, but they're going to be so not inclined to want to even touch Web3, let alone learn how an iPhone works. Like they're very traditionalist the way banks work and people holding their money like that. I personally am like on the fence with Web3 about it getting approved because of that, because of how many people that are divided about, is it going to be practical? Is it actually going to work? At the end of the day, people want something that is so easy to use that they're going to just choose the best option. That's why everyone, in my opinion, still uses banks and watches Netflix because they're the dominant ones. That's what everyone knows and everyone yeah, trusts. Yeah, but in fairness, Tom, you've you've had Netflix your whole life. Netflix came out of the clear blue sky in yeah. my life, right? You had all of the TV stations, all of the movie studios, and some guys sending you know, DVDs by mail suddenly said, no, we're going to do this by download. That was an absolute revolution. And I don't agree with you on um, banks. You know, Stripe, which 
I think is a sort of web 2.5 company. Yeah. So half what spans old world and new world. It's 1% of global, global GDP runs on Stripe and Stripe wasn't around 10 years ago to give you some idea. So there's a lot more change going on. Yeah. yeah? And I think it's a fair comment for people to say, well, that's not really Web3, Mark. Watch Web2's readjusting. You know, companies like Shopify are another one that are going to do really, really good things if Google and Apple have to lose lose control. But then there's companies like Minecraft, again, open, owned by Microsoft, but what's going on inside there or Roblox where the digital economy works for a whole lot of kids. Well, you know, you, kids are using Roblox money. Yeah. You mentioned it as well with Fortnite. Fortnite is trying to do that significantly with their new update to their game. So now it's more than just a battle royale. There's four or five different game modes now that they've added that are completely different to what Fortnite was when it was created. Fortnite is becoming like a new Roblox right. is what they're trying to kind of do. Yep inside it. Yeah. And everybody understands that you're going to own a whole lot of these digital assets. The issue is the Fortnite assets are going to stay within the Fortnite ecosystem. The Roblox assets stayed within the Roblox ecosystem. So for the part that people of my generation don't understand is the core of my thesis is attention leads to economy. Where people are actually spending their attention, eventually that's going to be the economy. So all these people can't understand that a digital asset feels real to people. Yeah. But people's assets inside Fortnite or inside Roblox or inside Minecraft, they are as connected to people's personal identity as their shoes or their clothes or their car. And they hold it's just they hold real life value as well. Like there's rare skins that people sell. There's a, a good game that um really took on the NFT approach before NFTs became a thing where it was a game called Counter-Strike. So Counter-Strike right. is a, it's just a free-for-all kind of shooter game, similar to Call of Duty. But there were certain skins that you could unlock in the game and they became worth a certain amount of money. And then there became this whole marketplace within the game where you could sell and trade your skins for guns. And they were, that's pretty much just like an NFT. Yeah, Exactly. And the issue is that those are closed systems. So the description I try and come up with for people of my generation is it's like the idea that you had to buy a set of golf clubs at every golf club course you had to play on, right? So that is nowhere near as sensible an economy as being able to pick your golf clubs up and move from one golf course to another. But somehow the simple things, yeah, which is, well, one day I want to play a game that's controlled by Sony and then the next day I want to play a game that's controlled by Microsoft and the next game I want to play one that's just turned up on the internet, yeah? And I want to take all of my time, all of my relationships, all of those things and port them across. That's not to say that there isn't a challenge, but the idea that somebody says, no, 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 you spent however long you are involved in Fortnite, yeah, and... If when you leave, you've got to leave all that stuff behind. Just yeah. seems to me to be not a sensible way to run an economy or a world. Let's move on from this. But do you think that what you touched on about mental health and social media, I live and breathe that kind of every day. You kind of have a good day or a bad day, depending on if a video does good or bad. It's really 
it's really it's really bad and it's something that like we could talk about in a later episode like the actual psychology behind doing social media but do you think we should get Jonathan Hay you, this guy's written a book. He's a really, really good guy, right? And yeah. we'll get him on the episode to talk about it. Yeah, that's definitely something. Yeah, that, he's, that what we he's, should definitely talk about because I would love to talk about that. Just to hand that down to upcoming creators or people interesting looking into creators, like the actual yeah. mindset behind it and how it goes. But let's get back on track. Do you think that Web three kind of has the ability to worsen people's mental health if it's like? to do with staying in a game longer, virtual reality is kind of part of Web3, those kind of aspects? Well, I think it's two different parts, which is if, if augmented reality and virtual reality can't become mainstream, yeah, what that's going to do to the world, I can't be sure. Yeah? yeah, I don't know what it feels like. I've never put on a pair of those goggles. I've never been around. I've seen some of the augmented reality stuff on your phone, but yeah. I've never really got hooked at it. So I don't know. What I do know is I mindlessly doom scroll and check my phone, yeah, 10 times as much a day as I need to. Yeah. And that's bad. If once the goggles come, I'm even more addicted to those mini dopamine, yeah. you know, cookies. That can only be bad too, <laughs> compared to going and walking along the beach having left your phone behind. I really like the new product Meta has come out with with Ray-Ban, if you've heard of those. So they brought out these new glasses and they have a camera inside it so you can film video, but they're also AI-controlled AI where you can look at something and be like, hi, whatever, whatever your character name is there, like, hi, what am I looking at? And they'll explain in detail to you what you're looking at. Or like, oh, this is a certain dish wow. from Indonesia. Or this is what, like, it's it's insane. Yeah. But I, th but I think, yeah. You yeah. I, what I don't like at the moment is that, you know, four or five trillion dollars, yeah, which is five, you know, five Australian stock markets, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the value of the companies that mean that you work for the wages you work for, creating all this content, yeah? Yeah. The other issue, which is how do we find some way to control the dopamine cookies, yeah? I'm, I think we really do have to go back to Rebecca and say, yes, we have to think about regulation here because it's clearly hurting educational outcomes societal outcomes and mental health outcomes. Oh, and I hope yeah. some amount of Web3 where people aren't locked into the algorithm and feeding the algorithm naturally improves it, but I certainly wouldn't want to make the claim that Web3 is necessarily going to be better than Web2 in that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and how, how do you feel about Australia and their kind of stance on Web3 and crypto just in general? Well, I think they're just, they're not even thinking about it. They're not, th they've got a whole series of questions as we've talked about probably off the episode. Here's you, right? One of the foremost Australian creators, yeah? And you know you can earn 10 times as much getting an American visa and going, yeah? Yeah. 
and I don't know whether there's two of you or 20 of you, but you are for the internet age what, you know, Kylie, Jason, the Hemsworths were for movies, yeah? And at the moment... I'll take it. Um, you know, at the moment, no one's bothering to think about how are we going to encourage your friends from Indonesia to come and make content in Australia and make a regional production studio for business like yours rather than you confront the recognition, you know, what you told me, which is, hey, I've got 10 times as many followers in America as I do here in Australia. But all the people say, if you want a sponsorship in America, you've got to go and live in America. So makes a huge, huge problem. There's a lot of people want to come and live in Australia, but the policy settings in Australia just completely ignore knowledge workers like you. So you think that so I'm troubled. You think Australia will just keep just putting it to the back with crypto and everything? Like my favorite thing to do every single night is watch Channel Seven News, and every single time they do the finance part and they don't speak about crypto is another good day for me. Yeah, because <laughs> yes. it's just. Like I'm very heavily invested in crypto and I love like the fundamentals of it. And I just love how little Australia talks about crypto just in general. Yeah. But they have these insane regulations behind it. Yeah. It's just. No, and I think it's going to be really, really disappointing. You know, if, I mean, I don't think people understand the rebates that Disney gets for running movies and Warners get for running movies and producing movies in Australia. And nobody is engaging on the issues of how we keep the the creator talents like you or create a viable creator economy in Australia. And you look at what the Koreans did with K-pop and you can see that a proper investment in that area makes a big, big difference. Um, and you can have a better society if you lean into it and lean into the future and get excited about it. But it's a great disappointment to me. I see nobody really engaging with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've started to work on the side with CoinSpot, which is an Australian crypto yep. um, platform. And we've been interviewing people in public just about general knowledge crypto. Just, And I would say about 60 or 70% have either little to no idea about crypto or want nothing to do with it. Mm. And it's just like... exactly. Oh my God. It's just like, not, yeah, not the, from like the investing side of things, but it's just like, oh my God, like there's so much more out there that you're like closing off. Yeah. Well, I think it's deeply disappointing and I don't understand it. Now, as I've said consistently, we did an appalling job of getting with a whole lot of scammers and not doing a good job of explaining what our industry was about. So shame on us. Yeah. But with the Americans and the Chinese, and everyone in Asia recognizing that it's not going away. The idea that you can sit in Australia and just put your head in your sand in the sand when half of the people come out of school wanting to be influencers like you, and yeah. that's effectively, you know, Web three is you. The biggest um, thing that I see media talk about <clears throat> that doesn't like crypto. I have a good fun fact for you. Is that everywhere on the news they'll talk about, oh, everyone's using Bitcoin or cryptocurrency for illegal activities. Yep. I got a statistic for you. How many? How much percentage 
of all crypto transactions do you think are for illegal activity? I don't know. Not even one percent. Yeah, one percent. And guess how? Yeah. Guess how many? Guess how many percentage of USD is spent on illegal activities? Four percent. Mm. So well, that is yeah. It's, amazing. it's interesting because, like my parents, if you mention crypto or like people that aren't educated, always lead with that fact or lead with oh, it's for it's for yes. illegal stuff. But also, what I try and explain to people, but my most sophisticated friends don't understand because they don't spend the time, is it's really bad for doing illegal stuff now. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, back right at the beginning when nobody knew about it. But every single of the big agencies now understand that it's not about the coins, it's about the wallets. And you can paint the wallets that you're worried about. Yeah. And it's really, really bad for money laundering compared to the US dollar or gold. It just You just can't use it for that um, effectively. It's the same as everyone says that Hamas were using. It's like the Qataris sent $5 billion to Hamas totally legally. America sends $3 billion to Iran, yeah? Yeah. And somewhere between 9 and $19 million got frozen, didn't even get to Hamas, and suddenly it's like Hamas got funded by crypto. It's like, no, Hamas got funded by Qatar, yeah. which is an airline that flies into Australia every single day. Like, you know, some amount of reality, but people just want to use any excuse to shut it down. For the reasons that you said at the beginning, which is it threat it does threaten a whole lot of centralized power structures. Yeah, it's it's it is interesting. I don't know, because like I'm very open minded. I don't really like we spoke about this in an earlier episode with how Australian news is very um filmed very negatively or highlights on the negatives of things more than the actual positives. And it it falls straight into that. Just these banks, the governments it's going to take away from them. So obviously they're going to talk bad on it. Like that what um, the head of JP Morgan came out and said about Bitcoin, that he wants to burn it to the ground. But then if you go past the door, they're creating a, a crypto project themselves or they're invested in Ethereum. It's like, it's like you're saying, well, one, you're saying thing one was- thing, but you're doing the other. But not only that, he's got fined $3 billion for all of his money laundering stuff. And he sat there and made his number one client, Jeffrey Epstein, right? Yeah. Like for five years, the guy's sitting there and doing all of that horrendous stuff. And he's the number one client at JP Morgan. They rolled out the red carpet. But you know, the hypocrisy is just stunning of the incumbents, just unbelievable. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because all these big money holders, BlackRock, Vanguard, are so into cryptocurrency right now or like from yep. everything that's coming yep. up. Everything is changing. It's like people are just are going to follow where the money goes or follow where yep. the news is going, yep. which... Well, that's the point that you're making, which is, look, in America, they know it's coming, yeah. right? They can't leave a, you know, an asset um, in that sort of, um, you know, that be that volatile and not do something about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for the the next 
two years in cryptocurrencies. Well, it's going to be exciting for sure, mate, because that Google decision, right, that's a big, big deal for the world. It really is. Yeah. It's going to let you earn a lot more money um, and have a better life if it doesn't get a, overturned on appeal and it doesn't look like it will. They've got, you know. Do you have a similar feeling with Web3 and how the dot-com bubble kind of went? Do you see it kind of like going in the same kind of pattern, if that makes any sense? Um, yeah, I think just well, what I keep on saying to people is we need Tetris or Angry Birds. We need something where nobody has to talk about Web3, nobody has to talk about NFTs, nobody has to deal with anything else. Just look at this. This is cool. I want to play this. Yeah? Yeah. And suddenly it's just going to go wrong. Yeah? Um, what that is, I don't know. But it's it's just going to be a cool thing. I think the biggest thing that I can see that's going to happen, like, in the very short term is online gambling with crypto is through the roof mm-hmm. and it's just going to continue to grow. And I think yep. that all that whole um, – those projects and those kind of types of um, crypto projects, sorry, that will come up will kind of start, for my opinion, Web3 yep. with the terms yep. of like the in, in-game Did you currency. see that race course game? The, the race, yeah. The, there was a, you could yeah, you could buy a horse, and yeah. you could buy a virtual yes. reality horse. You could train it up. You could yeah. buy certain features for it. Yeah, it kind of falls yeah. into that. But yeah, that's that's a really big um, industry within crypto yeah. that I, is growing like significantly right now. Yeah, and I think more of it for exactly that reason. There's going to be more of those different ways. The payment rails are better. You're going to be able to find more interesting games. What I've said to people is, if you go back to your gaming mentality, I think there's going to be, at some stage, a Web3 game, which is going to be very hard for Web2 to compete against, where you can pick up live players off a bench to play with you and pay them some amount to be on your team. So the description I have from people of my age is if you want to play tennis in Bali and you're you and you want to play doubles, you can pay three guys, you know, there to play with you for a buck an hour or something like that, yeah? Um, And nobody feels bad about doing that. It's like, hey, I needed some people to play tennis with. These three guys were there. You know, they're pros um, at the tennis club, Yeah. That's going to happen in some sort of Web3 game where the guys in the emerging markets are earning really good money by their standards and somebody gets to play a game they wouldn't be able to play otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not exploitation. It's not slave labor. It's nothing. It's just here we got a team of people playing and some person's paying for the team. You know, the richest people in the world do this in polo all the time and nobody feels bad about it. Yeah, I I definitely think that there is a lot of free space to be taken up in the gaming industry as well with Web3 because there's probably about five to ten games that are really popular still in on console and PC, but then there's there's so much room for new games to be made. Like 
Fortnite is like the main one I think about. There's Fortnite, there's Van, oh, what's the other one called? There's Fortnite and there's a few, Valorant. And there's only a hand select a few games, but they're all very similar. They're all very narrowed down into a certain style of um, action game. And what I don't understand, because I'm not a gamer, but I watch, you know, Fortnite came from nowhere not that long ago. I mean, those guys, when they were creating their games, there was only 20 guys writing the code. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm pretty, who knows what I don't know it. who owns Fortnite, but I'm pretty sure the owners of Fortnite own a thing called Unreal Engine. And that right. is one of the, oh, I'm so uneducated about this, can't really talk on it, but it's kind of how the whole game is made and the software of how the game is made and they make games for everyone else now. And they have this like cutting edge software game yep. making um, yep. system that is, uh, when you play Fortnite, it's the, the graphics are that good that it doesn't really make sense and how big they can make it as well. But also I think the thing is you got to look for a game that's much, much more cut down that can get played in the emerging market. Yeah. Like I know everybody hates what happened with Axie, but you're not going to have great graphics. This is going to be something that's able to take real people from all around the world. It's going to anticipate the fact that people have got broken down Wi-Fi. So you're never going to be able to compete against Tencent, Epic Games, yeah. Microsoft for the better and better stuff, the VR. Yeah. But something that's much more rough, ready, and much more authentic. It's a bit the difference between Formula One and Rally. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get some people who really, really like the authenticity of rally driving as opposed to, um, you know, Formula One. In Formula One, the big companies are going to win you win because they're just going to be able to outspend you. Yeah, but a lot of these big companies are just moving into the crypto space. They're making NFTs. They're making like I'm, I won't be surprised if, yeah, I won't be surprised yeah, but, if uh, Epic Games like make a Web three project in the yep. next coming year. Yeah, but will it be honest or will it sort of have a face and you can't really, I, I you know, that's the issue. Which is, yeah. is it going to be Web two disguised as Web three? Yep, or is it going to be authentically a better economy? Because I mean, I again, I don't want to take you up down a, a particular development economist rabbit hole. But the issue is you really are going to be so much better off if you own your own stuff. If the promise of Web3, which is your follower base is yours and you can take them wherever, yeah, you're going to end up with a better life, a better set of economics and so are those, that you don't have to feed the algorithm in order to feed your followers, which is the way it all works at the moment. If you can just say, have your followers follow you um, and your website and you're serving them what you want rather than via YouTube and, um, you know, and TikTok. And yeah, but these algorithms, Mark, they, they hook you in. They're, they're, so, they're so perfectly made, especially for you and your thumb. Like they know what makes you want to stop. And I, I'm, I'm not a slave to the algorithm, kind of am, but I wouldn't be – where I am, right? I wouldn't be speaking to you, Mark, if it wasn't for TikTok or if it wasn't for Instagram or having the ability to post on these platforms. I don't agree with that, mate. I think certainly if there wasn't any internet, you wouldn't. You would have been sitting there trying to figure out how to go to Hollywood in a traditional yeah. role, right? So, yes, that part I get, which is if there wasn't 
four hours a day of people spend on the internet. But don't be thinking that the algorithm won, you know, the algorithm was your reason for success. You're a highly creative guy. I'm relatively willing to, uh, I'm pretty confident when they pack the scrum of creative content, you're going to come up with the football, whatever the algorithm is. I'm on the side side of the scrum, I'm the flanker. I'm ready ready to take off. Yeah, well, you certainly did. And I think that's your point about TikTok, which is, mate, I saw him pack the scrum there and I positioned myself well and that's a big part of what worked for me and I know how to play the algorithm. Yeah. But still, the fact that you earn, you would earn 10 times as much if you were in America as you earn in Australia, that's a bad thing for you. It's yeah. a bad thing for Australia, yeah? And it's a bad thing for the 50% of kids who want to be you when they grow up. You see what... Have you heard about what TikTok is looking to add to Australia in the next couple couple of months? So it's already in um, China and the US. It's called TikTok Shop. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty much just when you watch a video, there'll be a little like bar above the caption. And if I'm wearing a shirt that's in the video or I'm selling a product within the video, they click that link and it takes them straight to the it lands them straight on the product page of your website or whatever you're trying to so sell. So what are the splits? That's a Assume good question. That it's a hundred. They, I think they're taking because, about six, uh, 40 percent. What I know. Off the yeah. Top of my see, head. that's that's the argument I make about web, which is Shopify and Stripe take one to three yeah. percent of that transaction, which feels fine to me. But this whole idea that the intermediary, the the you and the manufacturer have to split 60% and TikTok gets 40% in that trade, that's terrible. So it's a 40% tax that we're paying to China, yeah? Yeah. Without any discussion. Like as you say back to how many Australians actually think about this, yeah, or anywhere else. It's like, okay, we're having all this big trade fight with China. This 40% tax that China's going to take over the TikTok economy and nobody even bothers to think about it. And they're probably making, I don't even want to say a number of how much they're probably making already from, from yeah. it's super popular. You don't want to even say it. It's super popular in China and it's just it's just emerging in the US. Like they just released it and it's doing numbers. So it's like. I get it, mate. Yeah. That's why I want to know how many, you know, what happens to those sandwich stores after you've given it a 9.8. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully one or two people go and try their sandwiches. I'll be disappointed. I need to set up. I need to. I need to come up with a catchphrase or something where it's like, if you go to this restaurant, say Tom sent you or something, just so we can get a little yeah. bit of a indicator. Well, I bet you what we should do is when I'm next in Sydney, we'll go and see ten of the places and just say what's happened since Tom did his stuff. <laughs> well, we could we could create a little pop up and we could just we could just create it ourselves. We could see. Yep. <laughs> it could be exactly. it could be a raging it, success, or it could just be me and you eating all the eating all the profits. Well, uh, no, I think there's all sorts. <laughs> or we get three or four of the we get three or four of the places to go and do a food a food jam. Yeah, right. We get and say, okay, you've been in the awards. We'll go and get you to produce sandwiches somewhere. I like these ideas. You know, you know, Mark. I'm going to tell you a funny story again right now. So you chose to be on this podcast at 7 a.m. UK time, right? Yep. 
I chose to be on yep. this podcast today instead of going to see a very famous actress movie premiere at Entertainment Quarter. I'm really sorry to take you away from that. Mark, I'd rather be here with you speaking about Web3. It's it's more it's more there's more the more there's, sorry, there's more depth in us speaking about this than me going and my eyes wandering. Anyways, let's just let's get back to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's important stuff, you know, it, the what the web3 economy is going to look like and who's going to get what is really important and as we said, nobody in politics um is bothering to spend any time thinking about it. Yeah. And they go, "Oh, it's all money laundering" and don't even bother to think about any of that. So they're really upset about those transactions and they don't care about TikTok's 40%. Yeah, it's it's I didn't I didn't actually realize that when I was telling you but it is it is kind of interesting that they take such a huge percentage just because it's on their platform. Yeah, and that's the fight that's basically the fight that Fortnite had with um with Google, which is you got to be kidding. These are our customers. Yeah. They can buy it directly from the website. You can't shut us down for selling it through a channel like that. And the jury said, yeah, it's rubbish. The same as the jury say, what are you talking about? Why does Tom and the T-shirt manufacturer have to pay you 40%? And when you know Shopify is only charging three and Stripe's only charging what? Yeah. It's very interesting. You've opened my, my mind again to another door I wasn't thinking about. That's forty. That's forty percent more that I could use to. I don't know. Yeah. Make more t-shirts. But and when I take you through manufacturing costs and costs of your production stuff like that, it's obscene, right? Oh, I would end it's up with absolutely. Like, end up with one dollar profit. Yeah. No, it's it's unbelievable. Is there is there any Web three projects that you're kind of looking at right now, or that you're interested in? I continue to want to buy a CryptoPunk. Why don't you? Okay. Isn't it a good isn't it a good price because at the moment? No, I missed the window. Mm. I was like I was trying to be, you know, I was trying to be greedy. I missed the window. Then Ethereum zoomed. Um so now I just yeah. I wanted to be one of them who bought it in the teeth of the crypto Surely winter. Surely they've lost a, a bit of their value though now, haven't they? And it's about to go back up. They bounced back, mate. And CryptoPunk costs 140,000 US. It dipped though, didn't it? To below 100 or not? Yeah, sure. They were down to 50 or 60. Oh, Mark, what were you doing? Mate, a thumb sucked <laughs> as well. It's been the story of my life. <sighs> well, Ethereum, Ethereum's looking good as well because they just updated their, yep. their whole system. Or they're about yep. to. Where it's- and Solana's Solana's roaring back. I was really skeptical about Solana. Yeah, I couldn't understand how the economics work and stuff. You know, it's on fire. And then the guys in my crypto fund were buying a thing called Avalanche, which I don't even know what it does, but it's been right. Mark, I like you. I own Avalanche. I love Avalanche. That's a good one. Had, right. We had a good month. Why? Okay. Yeah, you. Fantastic month, and my guys did too. So, what does Avalanche do? I'm going to. Be, you don't know I'm either. I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. That's really <laughs> bad, mate. I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. I have three or four people I follow on TikTok about crypto. Right. Yeah. 
non-financial advice. I take it as financial advice and my portfolio is up a nice 40, 50% already. Just Yeah, exactly. Just but listening. I think somebody as smart as you, Thomas, you need to actually know, know what Avalanche, Avalanche does. is like a blockchain and it's similar to Solana where it has a whole ecosystem that works underneath it. That's about- Not enough, my son. <laughs> I'm going to teach you about investing and the investing is not, oh, my three mates said jump into this. Yeah, there is a lot of like projects that I don't think are going to overtake Ethereum, but are kind of coming for it. Yeah, no, Solana, I mean, Solana, Avalanche and two or three of those others, especially with everyone thinking it's going to be the end of Binance. So you're going to have yeah. to find some other ways to use all of that traffic. So you got- I mean, I thought FTX was going to refloat far quicker than it did. Yeah. You know, it still hasn't at the moment. So, you know, things with good use, UX and stuff. You know I why? Think you're right. You know why Binance got taken down? No. Because it's not. It's not US. It's not. Um, yeah. Born and bred in, in the US. So, what? What do you think yeah. the government wants all their money behind? Yeah. No, I don't think that's. Coinbase, completely a nice fair. American one. Yeah. So I think they, yes. the SEC or whatever, went after Kraken and they went after Binance yeah. because they weren't um, US. They couldn't regulate them. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I think to make your earlier point, which is you look at Vanguard and um, oh, you know BlackRock yeah. and stuff like that, and JP Morgan, which is I hate crypto when crypto is run by the other guy. Yeah. I love crypto. When it's run by JP Morgan and centralized, for sure. You like he's it's not gonna be long before you have a JP Morgan Bitcoin ETF. You know. The time's ticking, Mark. But he's it's ticking. It is ticking, mate. We need to get out there. All right. All right, Mark. Well, it was great to actually get in contact with you for this episode, because we're on different places of the, the earth. But I think the audience got a good gauge more. On Web3, hopefully. Well, I hope so. Because think- it's, it's, I think so. And I think it's really, really important that they understand that if they want lives as influencers like you, they're going to have to find some way to engage in this and not just be um, ignoring it. That was the mic drop moment from Mike we needed. We'll see you guys in the next episode.